You're listening to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast with Nola Heal. Nola has over 30 years of experience in financial and operations management for companies around the world. As a part-time CFO, she's dedicated to working with businesses of all sizes to create sustainable growth and amplify strategy. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Julie Broad. Julie is the founder of self-publishing services firm Book Launches and an Amazon overall number one best-selling author. Her popular YouTube channel Book Launches TV teaches non-fiction authors how to write and market books people will want to read. An expert on writing with marketing in mind, Julie has been speaking on stages across Canada and the US since 2009, providing the best approaches to get results, make an impact, and ultimately make more money. Welcome, Julie. It is really awesome to have you join us today. You've truly accomplished a lot. You started in real estate and yet have practical advice on writing non-fiction books that are not boring, build your business and brand, and even how to successfully market. Can you perhaps take us back with some background beyond the bio? What were you doing and what got you started? Yeah, yeah, it's always a fun conversation going, oh, you, you didn't, you didn't start in publishing. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I started real estate investing in 2001. And, uh, and then I actually went back to school and did an MBA in Toronto. And it, it, in doing that, yeah, so it's kind of fun. I was, I was living in uh, Vancouver, Canada at the time, and then I moved to Toronto to do my MBA. But I, I wanted to get my money working for me. And so I kept I started buying real estate and then while I was in school, I couldn't afford, I couldn't qualify for financing anymore. Um, so we got creative and started, you know, doing all these creative deals, which ended up making great stories for a book, (laughs) Uh, buying other people's problem properties and all the, the drama that ensued. And I started actually writing a newsletter in 2006, just for fun, just to friends and family. And it got, it got kind of traction on its own. And I started eventually in 2008, I kind of stopped, I quit my job and went full time into real estate, which was terrible timing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting real, one. Yeah, yeah, the real estate market crashed. And <laughs> here's me going full time into real estate investing and starting a real estate training and education company. But, yeah. uh, you know, diversity makes for great stories and lessons and, and everything. So, so um, true. and so that was really the birth of a lot of my experience, which I eventually put in a book. Um, and, and I wrote the book after being rejected by Wiley and it's kind of a whole journey, but, um, I, I kind of thought I, I was of the mindset a lot of people were, which is I needed a book deal to be a legitimate author. And then lo and behold, one day, you know, I was in conversations with Wiley and they were like, Hey, like, we'd love to work with you. And I said, I've got a book idea. And they said, no, like that's been done before, but here's an idea. And we built this proposal together. And then they ended up rejecting me saying I, oh, I didn't have wow. a strong enough platform to sell books. <laughs> But it, it, I know it's, it, it was the greatest gift though. It was devastating at the time. And I, I cried a lot because I really, I felt strung along. I was hurt. I had friends that got book deals that didn't have platforms that were as big as mine. Um, and platform is like email newsletter, speaking engagements, uh, you know, social media, YouTube, you know, all any, anybody who's listening to you is your platform. Right. Um, and, and so I kind of, after I recovered from this rejection, I decided to go back to my original idea and, and I decided, well, I have to self-publish. And 
I kind of went into it with vengeance. Like if Wiley's not going to do this, I'm going to do it better than if they had given me a book deal. And I dove into learning everything I could find on publishing and self-publishing and marketing a book. And I ended up taking my book, which was called More Than Cashflow, uh, The Real Risks and Rewards of Profitable Real Estate Investing. I took it to number one on Amazon in Canada. I had a Dan Brown, I had a Game of Thrones, like number one in print books. Uh, and, and that opened my eyes to how gloriously fun and rewarding book publishing could be, not just because it went number one, but because we raised capital, like people called us out of nowhere and said, hey, I want to invest in your deals. And our education and training company uh, blew up, like all of our classes were full, we raised prices. And so I saw the massive, massive business benefits of being an author and the fact that I didn't need the publisher. In fact, I made way more money because I self-published and I wrote the book that I thought needed to be written, not the one they were telling me to work on. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so I mean, it's a long story, but that's kind of what opened my eyes to it. And that was 2013. And, you know, four years later, I launched Book Launchers and and dove into helping other people self-publish. Oh, so absolutely phenomenal and just proves the point that you had the right idea, you could market it yourself and, as you say, do it bigger and better for yourself. I mean, gain everything and win or lose under your own steam. So that's pretty phenomenal. So can you tell us about the services that you offer through book launches now? Yeah, I mean, the reason I started the company was after going through, and I actually self-published two books before I started the company, but going through it, um, you know, and hiring all the people, first of all, figuring out who to hire and how to hire all the people to do it at the quality level of a traditionally published book is huge. Like that is a part-time job unto itself, let alone writing the book and actually setting yourself up for the marketing. So that was part of the reason. But the other thing was, as I hired all the people, I realized nobody was actually looking at marketing. And it was completely up to me to be thinking about marketing from the start. And the reality is, my first book did really well because marketing was the, the only thing really on my mind because I was terrified nobody would buy my book, right? Wiley rejected me because they told me I wouldn't be able to sell books and they didn't even like this idea to begin with. So I was really thinking about, okay, how am I going to get this book into the world? Cause it's not going to have an impact if nobody gets it. And, yeah. and, and I built marketing in and that's what I do at book launchers. We, we layer marketing in from the very first conversation we have. We're figuring out your author brand and who you're talking to and how what you're saying is just a little bit different than everybody else so that we've got that positioning that we're going to use at the end. And the other piece is that we actually will market with you at the end. So you're self-published. This is self-publishing. You keep all rights and royalties. You're the CEO of this book, but we're going to do everything and more that a traditional publisher would do for you because we're going to be marketing your book at the end. And usually traditional publishers are looking at you going, how are you going to sell the book? So we're going to help you with pitching you to podcasts and live appearances and bookstores and library distribution and book awards and all these pieces that will kind of fill in all of the puzzles to, you know, make it work. We're doing that with you. So it's really important for us to position it in the beginning so it's easier for us at the end. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's very much, I would think, a lot of your clients probably find that that is what they're fearful of or potentially where they've failed if they've written a book and self-published in the past because the author is generally not the marketer. They actually don't know where to go and what to do to get that book out into the world. So have you found that is the case with some of your clients? A lot of people write the book 
and even publish it and then try to figure out marketing. Mm. And it, and it's not too late, but it's difficult. Uh, yeah. Because again, a lot of what we do is to position the book in the first place to succeed. And, you know, there's no guarantees. Even when you do this, we do have clients that still, you know, struggle a little bit to sell their books. Um, but most of the time when somebody actually listens to us, um, cause some people pay us to then do what they want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, they pay us for our opinions. We, we make recommendations and then they go, no, I'm going to do it my own way. And then they struggle. <laughs> but, right. but the, there's no guarantees, no matter what, even if you do it exactly as we recommend, there's, there's no guarantees, but it does set you up for a better chance of success. Because a lot of times when the book is written, it's very difficult to change the angle of the book, the positioning of the book, the title of the book is even hard to change. You can change the cover, but it's really hard to change those kind of fundamental pieces without a complete overhaul. So once the book is done and out, um, it's harder to improve. There's only so much marketing and metadata changes we'll make to your outcome, um, you know, with some books. So it is better to do it much earlier. And one of the things traditionally published books have that a lot of self-published books don't have is a proposal. And essentially that proposal is an entire marketing plan. It's about a little bit about content, but you can have the best story in the world and you're not going to get a book deal unless you have a very strong marketing plan. Makes a lot of sense because I certainly, I know several people who have self-published books and that is exactly what their, what their problem is that they really have struggled to, to market the book at the end of the day or, or potentially they just use it to, for the benefit of clients or something like that. So it's a fairly small book. It never becomes a, a bestseller or anything like that. So what would make someone actually want to write a book in the first place? I mean, it depends. There's lots of reasons to write a book. And even, even what you just said, for a lot of people, that's great. Like for some of our clients, the fact that it doesn't hit a bestseller list or the fact that it doesn't sell thousands of copies externally, but it generates like, you know, it adds zero to their consulting fee when they give somebody a book or it shortens the sales cycle on what they're doing. For those clients, it really doesn't matter that they haven't sold thousands of books. Of course, the ego would want that to happen, right? The, the ego yeah. drives us to be like, I got to sell a lot of books. But in a lot of cases, you know, we have some clients who have sold a lot of books bulk, but then we have other clients who gave, one of our clients gave away, I don't remember how many, I think 750 copies of his book. And then he sent a follow-up letter to raise money for his nonprofit. And he had his best year ever after oh, sending phenomenal. out a copy of his book. So for him, he made absolutely no money off of the sales because he gave away 750 copies of his book. But he, I think, I think, I don't remember the exact number, but I think it was like 160,000 more than the year before in their fundraising for their not, not nonprofit organization. So, so I think a lot of people get hung up on sales. And mm -hmm. so my first point of all of that is to say the sales aren't necessarily the most important thing for everybody. Um, but you want to think about that first going in. And that's why the positioning is so important. Um, because of course it feels good to have sales and it, and it, it is a nice thing, but it's not always the most important thing. And, and that's kind of why people write a book. Um, some people do it for the ego purpose and that's fine too. You know, mm -hmm. you, you want to feed the ego. That's, that's great. Legacy is also a really great reason. And we have some clients who, aren't even publishing their book. They've written their book, so they've got it for their children and their grandchildren. Awesome. Um, 
And and that is, you know, that's a great reason too, because it, books are a great legacy. We've had authors who've published their books and they go, it sounds weird, but I'm not as afraid of dying. Like, you know, you've got this thing that is now living on past your life. And so it can be a powerful legacy piece. But a lot of clients are writing it to become speakers or get higher paid speaking gigs, more speaking gigs, consulting. They want to sell their product. They want to sell their service. They want more leads into their business. So all of those are reasons um, and really good reasons to write a book. But knowing that first will help you position it so that you're setting yourself up for a better chance of success. Makes a lot of sense. So they would obviously be writing around the topic in which they work or speak. So how does someone avoid writing a boring nonfiction book so that people are interested in actually receiving a copy and ideally reading it? There's lots of things that go into that. But the first is that, you know, even if the book is about you, so even if you're telling your life story, um, it's not for you, it's for your reader. And so just because, you know, and I, I, there's, I can't say the name of the book, but we had one client who's really hung up on this one story about her uncle and, and the story made no sense in the context of the book. Like the reader did oh. not care about this. Every editor flagged this chapter in this story as something that just didn't need to be in the book, but the reader was, or, but the author was emotionally attached to it. And so sticking stuff in there that doesn't fit or doesn't, you know, that's losing sight of your reader. You know, you have yeah. to tell them what they need to hear to get the outcome of the book. Um, so a boring book is created by writing the book for yourself, not for your reader. That's kind of the first. So fundamentally, you have to always be writing for the reader. But, you know, jargon, big words, you know, some people want to sound smart, you know, and that can be really that can make a really boring book, too. Um, we recommend no higher than a grade eight level of of writing. And that's not dumbing it down. That's making a book that's engaging and that people want to keep turning pages. They don't have to work too hard to get through your material. Um, and then one one last tip is storytelling. Just even, you know, especially in nonfiction, uh, you know, you're teaching things, have stories, have examples, have case studies, antidotes. You know, there's lots of ways to make material more interesting. If you think of your favorite teacher that you've ever had in your life, chances are they told stories to help you remember whatever it was that they were teaching. Um, and so that's a great way to make your book not boring and have people want to keep reading too. That's a pretty awesome tip because you're right. As humans, I mean, we will always remember the stories. Um, you can give us as many facts as you like. We can probably try very hard to remember them. We, we will, through repetition, remember a lot of things. But the things you absorb the most are unquestionably related to a story or, or a particular event or incident that is very colorful in your particular life. So that is really awesome. Now, for those who are not interested in writing the book themselves, many books are written by ghostwriters. So when is it a good idea to go with a ghostwriter or to write it oneself if you're writing a book? Yeah. I mean, we we have writers. We don't tend to call it ghostwriting. I mean, externally, that's how people know it. But a ghostwriter in the formal sense of it tends to be the person who actually is given a topic, maybe a little bit of material, might interview the author a little bit, and then they go off and write the book. Um, a lot of celebrity books fall into that category where they're given some material and some you know, input, but it, they kind of go off. Ours is more of a writing assist. 
So you have a professional writer that will work with you. Um, so you still suffer the pain of writing a book because you're the one doing the thinking, right? There's no material that exists without you. Um, but a lot of people, there's, there's a few different categories of people who are good candidates for getting a writer to help. One is, you know, you have no interest or like, writing does not appeal to you whatsoever. And if that is the case, then I highly recommend working with a writer that you can talk to and they can write the material. You just talk to them and and they can extract the book from your words. Um, that can be a much less painful process. If you're really, really busy, um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and business, uh, business owners, uh, professionals, um, like lots of doctors, they don't have free time to sit in front of a keyboard, um, but they do have commute time where they could talk while they're driving. They do have, they do take walks occasionally. They do have moments where they can, you know, record a voice note and send it to a writer. And so that can be how your book gets written versus you sitting in front of the keyboard. And then of course there's practical things like, you know, if you have, um, you know, if you, if you, um, are dyslexic, for example, or you have other challenges, some of those people just find it so much easier to work with a writer. Yeah, that does make make a lot of sense. So if they're using the ghostwriters, do the, the writers traditionally pretty much convert exactly what the person has said? Or do they and your team, obviously, is a part of what you you're assisting your clients with in the sense of rewriting that, getting the message clearer or more distinct? How does that come into the process? I mean, good writing is rewriting. There's, you know, the, an evolution of a book starts with a bad first draft, no matter who writes it, Very and true. it gets edited into a great book. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of a hard question to answer because it is rewriting is fundamental it's to this the normal process. process. Yeah. But there is, there's an element of capturing the voice, which doesn't mean taking every word that the author says word for word, um, because we speak differently than we write and mm -hmm. we speak differently than we would want to read. So we, like we hear, yeah, you get it. Um, it, yeah, there's a, it's a different a lot way. Of sense. Like yes. when we, we talk, we use run on sentences like crazy. Um, right. Most of us do, you know, it's kind of like yeah. a one on run on, you know, this thought into this thought into this thought. That's not how you would write. So there is that element of editing and rewording. And so our, it, it, there's different approaches. Some of our clients do voice record, we transcribe it, and then the writer is editing that. In other cases, they're interviewing the person. They're asking questions and they're developing the material as they have conversations. So there's, there's no one way to do this. And that's the great thing I always tell people is, and some of our clients start by writing the book and then the writers actually get in there and rework it and talk to them. So there's lots of approaches. And if you want to try writing the book yourself, I, I highly recommend you do. And then just know that if it's not going well for whatever reason, you know, there's options to bring somebody in to help you. That makes a lot of sense. And certainly I would think for some people, it probably relieves some of the hesitation of writing because... You know, there's, there's this certain imposter syndrome that probably prevents a lot of people who would love to write a book from actually writing it, either because they don't know the exact words that they should be putting out into the world forever, or because they don't really know how to get around it. So how does one overcome imposter syndrome and actually decide to take the plunge and write a book? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple things. One is, 
first of all, nonfiction writers don't have to be like the best at prose, right? We're not, mm. you know, fiction is a little bit harder. You do have to have a way with words so people can really take you into the story. Nonfiction doesn't have that standard. You, you don't have to have good editing, of course. It has to be well well written so it's easy to read. But that doesn't mean you have to have this fantastic way with words for your book to be of value and success. So that's the first thing. Um, and by the way, again, I want to go back to the emphasis of a bad first draft. And then you have professional editors that polish it. So, you know, that's that's really important. It's a relief. Other, yeah, exactly. And it is, you just dump it out of your brain and then it can be improved upon. Um, but the other pieces, and this is, this is an example I give from my own experience. So when I wrote my first book, I think I had done about 30, you know, 30-ish real estate deals. I owned, I think, 18 or 21 properties at the time. Um, and there was a big part of me that felt like, who am I to tell other people how to invest in real estate? Because I knew people who had done hundreds of deals. Uh, and the reality was, I wasn't writing my book for the people who had done hundreds. I was writing it for the person who was thinking about buying their first or who had bought one or two and were having problems and they didn't understand how to fix their problems. And so... And I think that's part of why my book did so well, because I wasn't coming at it from this perspective of I'm like this multi-millionaire riding on my yacht with my, well, I mean, at the time, right? You think of all the Tom Vu, like the, oh, yeah. Bikini, yeah, the bikini clad ladies on your yacht. I mean, that was, that was not the perspective. My perspective was like, okay, like this is a great strategy for long-term wealth building, but here's all the ways you can go wrong if you follow these other methods, which is what I had done. Yeah. Uh, and. And so I, I had tremendous value to give that person who was thinking about starting or had wanted to, had bought one or two and it wasn't going well. So you got to remember your reader. And if you're writing for that person that's, you know, just that little bit behind you on the road that you're traveling on, or, you know, you think about who you were five to 10 years ago and what you wish you would have known, like there's, there shouldn't be imposter syndrome because you know, you're not, you're not talking to as like the be all end all expert, which by the way, I don't think anybody is. If somebody says they know everything there is to know about a subject, oh, like no. they, they're lacking self-awareness. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> so, so I think that's the thing is, is queuing up your reader and lowering your expectations of what your output has to be oh. are two ways to do it. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Cause I must admit Hopefully, we're all on a perpetual journey, learning journey through our lives. So I don't know that we ever know everything there is to know, or maybe we're in a niche and someone else is in a niche and we don't know that niche, whatever. So pretty awesome. So um, for those who actually want to leverage their books into, say, speaking engagements or additional work, or I don't know if you have any clients that maybe try to reposition these services, how does one go about doing that using a book? Yeah, I mean, first is patience. So a lot of people think that you launch the book and this, whatever their goal was, happens. And, and and that's just not the case. I mean, it's not reality for anything you do in life. The kind of anything worth doing is going to take a little bit. Um, I a lot of people equate baby, books to babies. They're like, oh, you know, it's my book baby, and and that's great. And if you want to think about it that way, think about it this way: as soon as you have a baby, the work actually just begins, right? It's true. <laughs> and so I agree you, with that. <laughs> you you birth this book, and a lot of people have this expectation that suddenly the book is born, and now you've got this functioning adult that doesn't need your attention. 
kitchen and it's going to do all these great things to support you. And that's not true. Like you need to birth that book and then do all the things to have it do the things you want it to do for you. So you basically have to raise this book. So if you want to look at it that way, that's how you can kind of think about it. And, and so whatever it is that you want your book to do, whether it's reposition or grow your business or all those things, the book becomes the tool. So now you can use it to get media. You can use it to get speaking. You can get podcasts. You can use it to generate more leads. You can send it out free like our client did. I mean, that whole process of sending out 750 books and then sending a letter three months later to raise money. I think it was like a nine month thing before he actually saw the results from the book. Um, so I think a lot of people come into this with that. I'm going to be a bestseller and everything's going to change. And I always make the joke that I was number one on Amazon and Ellen never called me to dance with her. Oprah never put me on her book club. Like it was fun and I'm proud, but like life didn't change in an instant. The results took years. Right. Makes a lot of sense. So do people generally continue marketing the same book or is there kind of a time duration and then people move on and feel they need to write, say, a second book or that that message has now expired and needs to change? I mean, there's speakers that have an evergreen concept inside of their book and they're still riding that book 20 years later and selling more copies today than they did when it launched 20 years ago. Um, so it, I think it comes back to what the book is about. You know, if you have a really tactical book, especially if there's any technology mentioned in it, it probably mm -hmm. is going to wear out and you may have to refresh that book or write another book. But if you have some sort of an evergreen concept, like a strategy book where the strategy doesn't really change, even though, you know, how the strategy get, gets executed might change, like how to win friends and influence people is a pretty good example of a book with an evergreen concept that sure, some of it's a little outdated and you wouldn't say some of the things that is said in that book today. Um, but the, the strategic lessons that are taught through that book stand the test of time. So the answer is kind of one part, the book, but also your own goals. Like we have many of our clients have, are rolling into book two. We have one, um, one phenomenal author, Carol Sanford, who just released a book called Indirect Work. I think it's her sixth book. Some are traditionally published and some are through us, but like she's kind of prolific. Like she's always got something new, but every time she releases a new book, all of her past books also get a lift in sales. So mm. it's like this giant snowball that just keeps getting bigger and bigger. The more content she creates and put in, puts into the world. So she doesn't necessarily have to be promoting all of her past books, because as soon as she puts a new one out, it indirectly promotes her previous books. Oh, fascinating. That's that's really good to know. And it's more the name at that point, probably encourages people to go backwards and, and go look for her previous books. So have your clients ever, any of your clients ever come to you and said, I'd actually love to write a book, but I have no idea what I should write it about. I am this whatever their, their job title may be, do you somehow manage to help them find a direction to go in for their book? Yeah, I mean, it. so it depends. If they've got a clear vision of what they want their book to do and who they want to write their book for, then we can almost always find a great way to angle their experience and expertise. Um, where we do struggle and where we aren't able to help is if somebody is like, I want to write a book. And they don't actually know who their audience is that they're trying to connect with. And they kind of are doing it like, I just want people to know who I am. And it's just too, it's just too wide, right? We don't have anywhere to dig into. 
Um, there are some things you can look at. One of the things I always tell people is to look at your industry. Um, and if you've been in it for, you know, five years or longer, you're probably able to answer one of these questions, which is what is something you believe that is different than what most people believe in the industry? So, or another way to put it is what is something that uh, is false in your mind, but everybody kind of accepts as a commonly held belief. And example is in real estate, people believe that investing in property was passive income. And I argued all day long that thinking it was passive is what led me to have a property manager rob rent money from me. Um, you have to be actively involved and thinking of it as something that passively comes in sets you up for trouble. So that's one thing that I really hung my hat on was it's not passive. If you're buying a REIT into a REIT investment, that's different. But buying property, you have to be actively involved, even if it's, you know, two hours a week. So finding something in your industry that everybody kind of hangs out as true, but you have a different perspective on is really important. Something else can be something that makes you mad or annoyed or upset. And again, if you've been in an industry for any period of time, there's probably something that kind of makes you upset. Uh, that's another thing that you can kind of dive into your history on. Um, and the final thing is a pivotal moment. So, you know, those life defining moments where, you know, we have one of our clients who uh, he went to, he, he, he went to jail because of fraud. Um, and it's kind of his, his lessons are phenomenal about how, you know, how it like one little step, you know, into the gray, you know, here, and then another little step into gray and another little step into gray. And suddenly you're breaking the law and, and you can see as you go through his story, like the lessons. And so for him going to jail was this pivotal moment of realizing like how, you know, he's not a bad person and really like he did something that he acknowledges was illegal, but the lessons there are phenomenal. So the book is developing as we're working on it, but we've, we're working from this pivotal moment of what led him to go to jail and what can he teach other businesses about the gray areas that he stepped into until he was finally breaking the law. Yeah. And I would think for a lot of people, that's a pretty, a pretty good book in the sense that it's, at a certain level, it's probably going to market itself because people's natural curiosity as long as the title is good, that type of thing. Yeah. But probably people are always fascinated with yet an, again a story, but a story about bad news is inclined mm -hmm. to attract people to think, oh, well, uh, you know, let me see what this poor guy did that was so bad in the, the world. I mean, whether people will admit that they're making the same mistakes is, is another topic, but yeah. – uh, that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, indeed. It's, it's a great example. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it's the great and the phenomenal thing about this business, which is part of why I love it is I could give you like dozens of those kind of examples. You know, another, another one that immediately pops to mind. I'll tell it fast, but this one of our clients whose book came out, um, it's called the unlucky sperm club. He was the subject of a murder trial while, it, while he was in his, his mom's belly. Like, you know, he, and it's without spoiling all the details, like what a phenomenal story. And to be yeah. in a small town, to be that subject of this huge controversy, um, before you're even born, like what that does to your life. So talk about a pivotal moment and how his entire life was shaped by something that he had no he had control, no control over. over. <laughs> so, so yeah, phenomenal stories. And so I think there's a lot of us have those pivotal moments and maybe not so dramatic as that, but we have those pivotal moments where our entire life was shaped from it. And there's lessons that we can share with other people. Um, you know, and I think that can make for a great book too. 
Absolutely. I would think your team is very valuable in assisting authors um, from the perspective of, I would think for a lot of people, they may consider their lives dead boring and they've, they've gone through life. And I would question if sometimes your team and is able to ask questions that make people realize just how interesting and valuable some of their experience or stories are or just how much they could impart to other people who are following the road or trying to learn something from them. I would think some of, sometimes they have a lot of fun, quite honestly. Yeah, I mean, we actually, quite a few people on my team are former journalists. So that they bring out and, you know, they, they like to sniff out a story and they can also spot when there is one. Um, and a lot of people are really, the thing that you're, that you're really gifted at is the thing you usually can't see yourself. Um, yeah. and, and because it seems so easy, you think that everybody can do what you do. And why would anybody want to read about how you do what you do? Um, and so a lot of us discount that very thing that mm. makes us great because we can't see it. And so having somebody ask you questions, which is why I think the writing process or working with a writing coach even is so powerful because it, in, in a lot of ways, it's part therapy. Um, because you are, you know, you're kind of digging past that facade that you wear most of the time to find the stuff that's really cool, that makes your book interesting, that makes people want to read it. Yeah. And one, one of the only books that we kind of worked on and ended up telling the author, look, there's no book here, was a story about a guy who, um, he married his high school sweetheart, he got into his family business, every real estate deal he ever did turned to gold, like it was it was so good that either he was lying or he just had one of those rare, unbelievably lucky lives. Awesome. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and I don't know which one it was or if it was a combination of like, mostly he's mm. been really blessed, but there was no story there. Like, how can you take advice from somebody that everything has gone well and nobody wants to read that either like <laughs> it's like you're sitting yeah. there having a bad day reading a book looking for inspiration and you just kind of want to punch the guy because yeah. everything's gone well you're like really like that doesn't happen for me <laughs> how can you have that much luck in your life ever <laughs> right so so I think that's you know that's reassuring to anybody who feels like they've had yeah. a rough life like you probably have a great book whether you want to go through the effort and the investment and the time of writing it is a different consideration is a different matter yeah but, but yeah so that's one of the only books that we ever couldn't work on another one was the author insisted on plagiarizing things so that was a whole other story oh, wow, but... wow, wow, wow. <laughs> you probably didn't want to be associated with that one no not at all not at all <laughs> that's an awkward position to be in uh dear ma'am or sir no we're not going there yeah so do your clients or, or generally, shall we say, I mean, whether it's people going, going through your service or not, or whether they're going the traditional publishing route or even self-publishing, is writing a book a fairly significant investment? Obviously, it probably is on the time side. But outside of that, if one considers all the marketing and everything, is it quite an, an investment in one's life? I mean, it depends. There's lots of ways to do it. There's self-publishing's open the door so anybody can publish. Um, but if you want to do it to a certain level, you do have to be prepared to invest time, energy, and resources. Um, okay. and, and that can be money. And, 
And if you want to work with a professional writer, that's absolutely going to be an investment. If you want somebody that can capture your voice, because that's a, a skill and a talent unto itself. So, I mean, it really varies. My first couple of books, I put probably $10,000 into each of them. Um, but, you know, our services, we've found we keep expanding, right? We keep going, oh, well, we really need to add a fact checker. Oh, now we need to add a, a podcast booking specialist. Oh, now we need to add somebody who specializes in library distribution. So we've we've kind of gone to the place where we have to charge more than what you could do it for yourself right. because we've layered in so much stuff now that our services are, you know, kind of getting to that really, really high level. So you have to be somebody who really does plan to do something big with your book in order for it to make sense. But that doesn't mean you have to work with a company like ours. You can work with a company or hire out like at one editor and one book cover designer and get a book out there into the world. Like there's lots of levels and ways to do it. Yeah, so there are degrees, but be willing to put at least a little resources into it, even if it is just your time and a a small amount of cash. Yeah, I mean, if you're putting if you're putting less cash in, you're going to be putting in a ton more time because doing a lot of the pieces yourself is going to take hundreds of hours. And I know that from experience of doing my first book, I still hired the editors and the designers and all those pieces. Uh, but I spent hundreds of hours hiring the right people and then overseeing yeah. that work and vetting them and then making sure things were communicated and set up. So um, it really is, a tr- it does become a trade-off for time and money. Yeah, makes makes a lot of sense. And to a certain extent, I have to wonder if the professionals, if you find the right professionals, if your investment actually doesn't prove to be smaller because you have a better result at the end of the day. So that's that's probably where the value does come and probably just in deciding, well, why do you want to write a book? What are you going to do with this book? And is it an investment in that purpose that would make a lot of sense? So through all your entrepreneurial endeavors, you must have had significant challenges along the way. Have you found that you have any particular techniques or secrets to overcoming those? Oh, I mean, that's a great question. There's there, The challenges never end, and it's almost like I seek them out. Because as soon as things aren't challenging, I think they're getting stagnant. Um, because I think, and this is something a lot of people, they want things to be easier. But if things are easier, you're probably not growing. Yeah. Um, and so you want to have moments where it's easier because you don't want to be constantly fighting and battling. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> I, I think I embrace the challenges. And we we as a company look for those learning opportunities. And the goal is to have something new to learn, not to be learning the same lessons. So don't make the same mistakes, but be making mistakes so that you're always learning and you're always growing. And so I think that that perspective um, gives me the resilience and the persistence that you need to be somebody running a business and and growing a business and, and you know seeking those challenges. Because I think some people get into business thinking that it's going to be easier and more freedom. And to a degree, there's more freedom. But I think you don't want it to be easy because if it's easy, it's probably a business that's dying. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I know several people who've said they're taking the plunge, leaving working for somebody to start their own entrepreneurial journey because it's going to be easier or have more control. And I don't think I know one entrepreneur who feels that that is really the case. It's a it's a hard road, but it takes a particular kind of person to actually enjoy that kind of a a challenge. And for most people, whether you work for a company or you're running your own business, 
um, challenge is part of life. It's part of the fun in life. So, yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. You don't want to struggle all the time. Hopefully uh, there's some pleasure and smooth sailing out there, but uh, it makes a lot of sense. So do you see any particular trends impacting your industry? Have you noticed anything that changed through the the COVID-19 pandemic? Or as you look out, do you see particular trends that will be will be impacting the the industries that you're active in? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think, you know, AI is coming, it's going, it hopefully will have opportunities to improve your ability to reach more markets, like through translation and things like that, even audio narration. Um, And so I'm excited about AI. But as it, it, you know, there's paper shortages, so that's impacting books too. The the cost of paper has gone up. But ultimately, I think these, the pandemic has shown a lot of people that, you know, especially like speakers and coaches and people that relied on live, live appearances and live things that got shut down. A lot of the savvy ones have realized I need to be positioning myself so that I can make money in other ways. And a book is a tremendously great tool for that. And taking your expertise and repackaging it in other formats, the book opens that door. And so it's been interesting to see people realize the importance of the savvy ones, you know, the people who are like yeah. going to pivot and adopt and adapt to changes. Um, a lot of them have stepped forward going, I know I need a book because of this. And so that's the exciting thing for me is there's more and more people that are seeing the tremendous value of a book. And, you know, they're stepping forward to do that because they, they know they can't be, you know, if you're relying on one thing right now for your income, no matter what industry you're in, that's a risky place to be because the last two years have shown us anything. It's that, Things can change and in an instant. So you want to have different ways to do what you do. No, so very, very true. And I mean, let's face it, they're telling us that this pandemic is probably the first of many that will hit us. So if it's yeah. not a pandemic, it could be a war. It could be any number of things that could impact our lives. And let's be honest, over the last two years, there have been several factors that are certainly impacting our lives. And those who can pivot and change things are probably better better positioned than those who are dependent on one thing or very dogmatically set in their lifestyle work style, whatever it may be. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So do you have any thoughts you'd like to uh, close with today? I mean, for me, I always like to share the missing piece is always action. Your book or your idea is not going to have any impact if it just stays in your head. So getting it out, getting it onto paper, getting it into the world is how you impact your life. Um, but, you know, I am always focused on the reader so you can impact others with your experience and knowledge. But it only happens if you take action. No, that, that that's valuable. I must agree with you. That's pretty awesome. So if listeners want to contact you, how could they do that? Yeah. Go to booklaunchers.com and there's lots of places there where you can grab our launch letter and our seven steps to write and publish a book. Um, you can go straight to booklaunchers.com forward slash seven steps to get that download. It's a workbook to help you kind of think through who's my audience, what's my goal, what does my book need to say in order to achieve my uh, my bigger goal. So, um, And once you do that, you get all my contact information so you can just hit reply and it'll go straight to me. 
Fantastic. And that's very valuable for those out there who are thinking of writing a book, but are the ones that I mentioned earlier who just don't know what to write about. That could certainly be a couple of, of starting steps to, to get their thought processes going and identify some areas to contact you and, and have a further conversation so that they can see where it goes. Pretty awesome. So thanks very much for joining us today, Julie. Really valuable to have the conversation and learn so much more about the value that writing a book can have and especially the value that comes from the assistance of some professionals just guiding you along the journey and the marketing at the end of the road, which a lot of people don't think about. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. The Unlocking Business Growth Podcast is sponsored by Protea Consulting Professional Corporation. We help our clients translate their operating and accounting data into the strategy for business growth they're truly capable of. Subscribe to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast on iTunes, Google Play and Spotify to hear from other companies that have overcome growth challenges. Get a free copy of NOLA's latest book, the 5F Strategy, Bottom Line Growth in Any Economy Without Additional Sales and Marketing and download the Financial Growth Scorecard at proteaconsulting.ca. Work with us to achieve your business potential. To find out if we're a fit for your business, email info at proteaconsulting.ca and follow the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast on LinkedIn and Facebook. <laughs>